Hey, good morning. I'm excited about being a part of worship today. Uh, Pastor Ken's series, Beyond the Faint Heart, is all about this challenge from the Apostle Paul to live life to the fullest in God's will, being a part of the Lord's calling and commission, and not to lose heart or become faint when life gets difficult. At times we feel that following Jesus ought to be rewarded by God and that life could be just a little bit easier with less struggle. After all, we're doing what God desires. We're the ones who are following Christ. We're the ones who are seeking to please God in everything that we do. We're the ones trying to sin less. We're the ones seeking to live in obedience. And because of this, life can be hard and we can easily get discouraged. Hard times ought to be for those who refuse to follow Jesus. We totally understand the proverb, Proverbs 13, 15, the way of the transgressor is hard. But in real life, it seems the transgressors have it easier than those who have been adopted into God's forever family. There's little wonder why many of God's people might lose heart. Down through the ages, God's people have been persecuted for nothing else than just for being God's people. As it was for the Jews, so it is for the church throughout the centuries. Now, in the grand scheme of things, it really has little to do with the church and more to do with sinful humanity rebelling against any authority that God has over their lives. If people want to eliminate an invisible God from the public square, the next best thing is to attack his visible representation, his church. People may attack us, but deep down, their hatred really is for God more than it is for us. Remember the words of Jesus when he spoke to Paul on the road to Damascus. He said in Acts 9, 4, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So how do we not lose heart when life gets difficult? When the world seems to go against us at every turn. We all tend to get discouraged at times, but what are we supposed to do? Ken has been addressing this topic over the past six weeks, but today I want to challenge you to anticipate eternity. It really is amazing what people can endure when you have the hope that something in the future will make our life experiences worth it. Remember our Savior, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We also can endure a lot when we have our eyes fixed on Jesus, fixed on eternity. So let me tell you a story about hope. When I was in college, I read a book written by Viktor Frankl. It was called Man's Search for Meaning. I pulled it out again just a few years ago and was reminded of its significance in my life. Viktor Frankl was an Austrian neurologist, psychiatrist, philosopher, author, and Holocaust survivor. He was the founder of Logotherapy, a school of psychotherapy, which describes a search for a life meaning as the central human motivational force. I personally admit, as a high school student so long ago, it was this search for meaning in life that brought me to Jesus, but... I'll save that time for another story for another time. 
Frankel's book is about survival. Like so many prominent German and East European Jews who thought themselves secure in the 1930s, Frankel was cast into the Nazi network of concentration camps. Miraculously, he survived. But his story in his book is less about his own struggles, you know, what he suffered and lost, than it is about the sources of his strength to survive. Several times in the book, Frankel quotes the words of Nietzsche, he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. He vividly describes fellow prisoners who gave up on life, who had lost all hope for the future, and were inevitably the first to die. They died less from lack of food or medicine than from a lack of hope. They lacked something to live for. By contrast, Frankel kept himself alive and kept hope alive by summoning up thoughts of his wife and the prospect of seeing her again, and by dreaming at one point of lecturing after the war about the psychological lessons to be learned from the Auschwitz experience. Clearly, many prisoners who desperately wanted to live, they died, some from disease, some from the crematoria. But Frankel's concern is less with the question of why most died than with the question of why anyone at all survived. Now, here we are. Ken has been teaching us over the past six weeks uh, these lessons from Paul about how to overcome discouragement and not lose heart. And today the lesson is on anticipating eternity. For Christians... We're a people of hope. When Jesus was born into the world through the incarnation, basically God becoming man, the first Sunday of Advent is all about hope. It's God's people patiently waiting for the promised deliverer, for the Messiah to come. He would be that person who would act like a great hinge on the door of history, finally making right all that had gone wrong in the world. God's people would be set free forever, no longer in bondage to any other nation or power. Christians get this because we recognize that the world is not our home, because it says in Philippians 3.20, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Eagerly waiting for our Savior. That is anticipating eternity, knowing that heaven awaits us. This life is not all there is. The best really is yet to come. So what are a few ways in which we anticipate eternity? Our passage for today reminds us that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you, 2 Corinthians 4.14. To help us remember what I talk about today, let's use this acrostic, heaven. So let's get into it. H is for heaven itself. Heaven is a real place described in the Bible. You know, the word is found in 276 times in the New Testament alone. Scripture refers to three heavens, 
The apostle Paul was caught up to the third heaven, but he was prohibited from revealing what he experienced there. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If a third heaven exists, there must also be two other heavens. The first is most frequently referred to in the Old Testament as sky or the firmament. This is the place that contains clouds and the area that birds fly through. The second heaven is interstellar or outer space, which is the home of stars and planets and other celestial objects. We read about that in Genesis chapter 1. The third heaven is apparently the dwelling place of God. Jesus promised to prepare a place for true believers in heaven, John chapter 14. Heaven is also the destination of Old Testament saints who died trusting God's promise of a redeemer, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8. Whoever believes in Christ will never perish but have everlasting life in heaven, John 3:16. Now in heaven, the paradise of the garden of Eden is restored. The river of the water of life flows freely from the tree of life and it's available once again, yielding fruit monthly with leaves that heal the nations. Revelation chapter 22. However eloquent John was in his description of heaven, the reality of heaven is beyond the ability of finite human beings to describe it. We read about that in 1 Corinthians 2.9. Heaven is also a place of no mores. There will be no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more separation because death will be conquered. We read about that in Revelation chapter 20. The best thing about heaven is the presence of Jesus. 1 John chapter 3 verse 2. We will eventually be face to face with the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Because of him, we can enjoy his presence in heaven for eternity. Now, E in my acrostic for heaven is for evangelism. This is how we secure our ticket into heaven. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10, verses 13, 14, and 15, for whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Evangelism is nothing, nothing more than telling others about the good news of God's salvation. As believers, we all have a story to tell of what Jesus has done for us. We are his witnesses, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And we have this awesome responsibility and privilege of telling others how to find the life that we have experienced. All right, A and R acrostic is for anticipation. It's not that we're ready to pack our bags and head off to heaven right now. But after all, we have a lot of life still yet to live. The Bible has many references to eagerly waiting for the Lord's return. As I mentioned in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I guess you caught that, eagerly waiting. The return of Jesus Christ will be like the coming of a thief in the night. 
Two passages are used, this wording, a thief in the night. One is Matthew 24, verse 43. Understand this, he says, if the owner of the house had known what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let the house get broken into. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 2 says this, you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So how is this second coming going to be like a thief in the night? Just as a thief catches a household by surprise, Jesus will catch the unbelieving world by surprise when he returns. Before they know it, judgment day will be upon them and then it will be too late. As believers, we don't fear, but we rather anticipate his coming again. So it should not catch us by surprise. Christians are in a separate category. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 4, he says, But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. These who are unsaved, would they should listen to the warning of Jesus. He says to be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Matthew 24 verse 44. How can you be ready? Well, God has provided the way for you to escape the coming judgment. The way to the Father and everlasting life in heaven is Jesus. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. By accepting Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you are guaranteed forgiveness of sins, mercy, and salvation. All right, V and R acrostic is for victory. If we plan to overcome discouragement, the Bible tells us point blank how to be an overcomer. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says this, And they overcame him, him being the devil, Satan, or the accuser, they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. We have victory through the blood of Jesus by what he did on the cross to provide salvation. We also have victory by the word of our testimony. When the accuser comes after us, we speak up to remind him of our salvation and to remind the devil of his ultimate destination. As we share our testimony with other people, we also remind ourselves what God has done for us and that we have made the conscious decision to follow Jesus. The enemy really has no power that we don't give him. Now, E&R acrostic is for entreaties. I know that's a weird word. But let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Paul says this, First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. Now, King James translates the word entreaties as supplications. It's an old school word, meaning asking God for stuff. It's praying. But I'm seeing at this point in the outline as we are communicating with God. When we communicate with God through prayer, we are developing our relationship with him. Because of that, 
we are preparing ourselves to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus. We need to be a praying people, more than just people who pray. Let me explain the difference. We can easily become people who pray. I mean, we pray at mealtimes, during church services, when we find ourselves in a jam needing God to bail us out. Christians pray. But you know, we know plenty of people who are not Christians who also pray. You know, the next level of believers is to be a praying people. Now, this is when we stop and pray for those who ask for prayer right then and there. I've been with some people who hear my prayer concern, and the next thing I know, the other person's talking to Jesus. I want to be that person. We need people who will spend the hour of 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. each Sunday praying for our pastor, praying for his message, praying for the congregation that, that we will engage, maybe some who are disengaging, but they're going to engage with the service. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to move among us. May we be a praying people, not just a people who pray. Now, finally, the last part of our acrostic, the N is for new birth. If you really want to anticipate eternity, you have to be born again. This new birth is not automatic simply because of John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, or because of Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. At our physical birth, we are all born with a sin nature that separates us from our creator. We were designed in his image according to Genesis chapter 1. But that image was tarnished when mankind fell into sin. As sinners, we cannot fellowship with a holy God the way we are. We cannot be repaired. We cannot be restored. We cannot be rehabilitated. We need to be reborn. No one makes it into heaven without this new birth through Jesus. Paul reminds us that we're saved by God's grace through faith. And that's not about any good works that we might do. We cannot earn our salvation. But we must receive his grace and the gift of salvation by faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. The shed blood of Jesus brings forgiveness from sin and reconciliation with God. Maybe today... You've come to understand that in order to overcome discouragement and to move beyond the faint heart is to anticipate eternity. But you realize that you're in no way prepared. Let's talk about how you might respond to the message you've heard today. It may be that you're responding to God's offer of salvation. You may be making a decision to change and allow God to transform your life into what he desires for you. Maybe you sense God leading you toward membership in this church. Let God have this time of reflection as we consider what he has to say to us today. So let's pray about it. 
Lord Jesus, this time is yours. Many of us have entered this place with heavy hearts, ready to give up in discouragement. Through your word, you have reminded us that our best life is yet ahead of us. The joy we have in this life is that that we don't go through this life alone. Thank you for walking with us, giving us meaning in life, giving us a community of faith to share this life with and preparing us to one day spend eternity with you in heaven. Help us to keep our vows of transforming into the image of Christ. Forgive us when we have failed you. Help us to repent of our desire for us to have our own direction rather than to allow you to lead us through life. May we submit to your lordship and your mission. Submit that, put ourselves into your hands. Let us be that your hands and feet in a lost and dying world around us. Forgive us for not keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It's in his holy name that we pray. Amen. You know, thank you for joining us today. If you've made commitments uh, with for Jesus, we'd love to hear about it. You, you can check uh, these uh, websites right here to get more information. You can go there to use our digital connect card or our prayer request form. We'd love to hear from you. Ken is back next week to finish the series Beyond the Faint Heart, so make sure you don't miss it. If you've not yet done so, maybe consider joining us for live worship on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We'd love to see you in the house. And if you're not already found a small group, I want to help you find one. After all, life change happens in small groups. I love you a lot. Have a great week.